Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Steelers are three weeks out from the 2023 NFL Draft. Well, one of the key factors in this offseason is what we should expect from last year's draft picks as they head into their second season. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. You're listening to The Cutting Room Floor. The Cutting Room Floor is brought to you, as always, by the Steel Curtain Network and Fans First Sports Network. Make sure you're checking out all the podcasts on the Steel Curtain Network, and if you have other teams you like, check out Fans First Sports Network. It may have a podcast for you there, too. We're going to go backwards through the draft order. We're going to start at the bottom of the draft, and we're going to work our way up to the number one pick. So we're going to start with Chris Oladokun, also known as Sir No Longer Appearing on this team. There are no expectations for him. He didn't make it. Uh, it made sense why they brought him in to compete for, you know, a job there. They thought maybe they could trade uh, Mason Rudolph for something. In my opinion, that didn't work out, so they kept him. Either that or Mitch Trubisky wasn't, you know, showing enough. Whatever it was, they ended up keeping Mason Rudolph as their number three. They did not keep Chris Oladoku. Mark Robinson. Mark Robinson, uh... Seventh round pick, but he actually did stick around and he did play some. He was, uh, if people don't know, he was a running back in college turned linebacker and then was drafted despite 
barely playing linebacker. He had some good seasons. He had some good things, and he showed some good stuff on film. In the NFL, he showed a lot of what he showed in college. He's very instinctive and aggressive against the run. He's a very good run stopper. In coverage, he generally failed to do, in zone coverage, he failed to do anything until the ball was in the air. Then he'd run, you know, to where it was going. Didn't really anticipate what was going on the offense. Doesn't really read the offensive play well in passing. Uh, In man coverage, he was solid, but we often, but he didn't play enough to really get tested. In coverage, you will often see uh, a, a new player that teams aren't familiar with, just get avoided. We thought we saw that with James Pierre in his first action uh, in his rookie season towards the end of the year there. Teams just didn't throw at him. They didn't know what to expect. He was in reasonably good coverage, and you don't know. You don't know what you're dealing with. You're not prepped for him, so you just don't take that chance. Like, the unknown is scarier than the known. So, you know, you don't have to be quite as good if they just don't know who you are. If you're just good, but not, you know, really good, they'll just avoid you. James Pierre has turned out to be, like, not quite as good as he looked when he first started, but pretty good. In the same way, Mark Robinson in man coverage really was untested. Uh, he looks pretty good, but I don't know what, what, what to expect from him in that area. He wasn't terrible. I'm going to look at what... Growth he saw uh, from him in his rookie season, he showed a very quick learning curve in some areas, especially in uh, picking up blocking schemes and misdirection plays. He he did pretty well there. In other areas where he, he seemed completely unprepared, like he's not, it, it's not an easy transition from him for college to NFL in areas that he was already behind in college. The run defense, he was not behind in college and therefore going to the NFL. He wasn't, it didn't take long to catch up. A reasonable floor for Mark Robinson. I'm going to do this with reasonable floor and ceilings. Uh, This is not like, I mean, obviously anyone could get hurt. Anyone could, you know, have something bad happen. But I'm, I'm sitting there thinking what I expect watching their film next year, kind of a more reasonable range. They could go above or below this, uh, but this is the more likely result. If you think of a bell curve, this is the you know the standard deviation of one from the mean kind of curves here. Uh, low end competitor for butt snaps at the buck, pretty much what he was last year. Come in against you know certain teams and have value. Be a number four inside linebacker. That's kind of the the low end expectations. High end, if he learns to to play in coverage over this offseason. It'd be pretty quick to do that. Uh, he could be a number three inside linebacker with a chance to push uh, for a starting for, for more snaps. I doubt, I would be very, very surprised if he won a starting job, especially week one. Uh, but I could see him being a guy coming in from an injury or rotating in a decent bit, depending on the uh, opponent you're facing and what kind of sets they're going. When teams go really heavy sets, and Mark Robinson in coverage can be on a number two tight end. He's a he's a fantastic addition to the field. His competition for snaps and production. Uh, Alandon Roberts is, is the big one. Roberts has never been a full-time starter. He is very similar 
to uh, Mark Robinson and that he is he's more of a liability in coverage. He's a good blitzer, an aggressive attacker. Uh, he is smaller than Robinson, and he also gets fooled a bit, which Mark Robinson did. Very aggressive players tend to attack things and then, oh, you know, that it wasn't what I saw when I first looked and, and misdirection gets them. Landon Roberts is similar in that. I think he is well, well ahead of Mark Robinson from what we saw of Mark Robinson last season and what Landon Roberts showed us last season uh, when he played in Miami. But can Mark Robinson catch up, you know, in this offseason? That's the question there. Connor Hayward, sixth round pick. Uh, He was the number three tight end, H-back, moved into the slot. He was not a good... Uh, inline blocker. He's a willing blocker, but not good in line because his technique and size doesn't have the length of arms, doesn't have the height, doesn't have the size, and uh, doesn't have the technique to block in line. Uh, a blocker on the move, he's good. Uh, he saw a lot of special teams action. As a receiver, he was quick and he had very good hands. He was actually second on the team behind George Pickens in yards per target. Uh, with very few targets. I think he's like 17 targets over the season. He grew as the season went on, improving as a blocker. He also earned the, both the coaches and quarterbacks' trust. Can he pick it through to him a lot more towards the end of the season? And he, in some games, he was quite valuable. So we will see where he goes with that. That's the question. Where is he going to go with that? Uh, as a floor... I think we're going to see at least a slight increase in his usage, more towards what we saw at the end of the year, uh, where you could have games where he gets three or four targets and other games where he gets one, maybe zero. But he'll play a little more. Uh, if there's no real improvement in the blocking and like the Steelers find a slot receiver, then he's just going to be a heavy set player. You know, When they're doing uh, heavy run power sets, they want three tight ends, You know, he's he could be in on that. I don't see him as a fullback. I know I know a lot of people are like, well, he's an H-back and he can play fullback. He's a decent blocker. I don't see him as a fullback. Uh, the Steelers could use him as that, but I don't think that's a very good usage. That's just like a, we need someone to line up back there for this play. Connor Hayward can handle it. I honestly, like we've used Zach Gentry there. You could use that. You could use an offensive lineman there in that case too. Uh, as for his competition... Oh, I should go. His uh, his upside, his 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 ceiling would be uh, a bigger split of time in the slot, becoming a more regular slot weapon, slot receiver weapon. Uh, that would get him up to a much bigger part in the offense. I could see him getting up to around four or five hundred yards of total offense. Get some rushing in there. I mean, not as a running back, but from a fullback or a H back alignment, there are runs they do. He did really good on the jet sweep. He ran. There's stuff like that that you can. Uh, that you can do with Connor Hayward that he'd be good at. And like I said, I, I think four to 500 yards even could be that. And I have no idea where touchdowns would fall. Uh, we'll talk about that later, but that's, that's hard to predict with this offense. As for competition on the team for snaps and production, he is a very unique weapon. He's one of those guys you find places to put him on the field. His competition is Jalen Warren, Calvin Austin III, Gunnar Olszewski, any... Offensive weapon, the Steelers draft, tight end, receiver, running back, any of those guys, when you're talking about getting players on the field just to give them impact. 
The Steelers did that with Jalen Warren last year in two running back sets. The Steelers do that with, you know, Connor Hayward. That's who they, that's the people they do it with. And obviously for an increase in snaps, the Steelers slot receiver, their number three receiver is going to greatly affect how much time Connor Hayward gets on the field. If it's Gunnar Olszewski, Calvin Austin, the third, and you know, those kind of guys, it's, I, I think Connor Hayward's going to have a shot to get some decent snaps. And that brings us to Calvin Austin the third. Um, last year, we didn't see him at all. We didn't see any improvement. We didn't see anything because he was injured. Uh, so we don't we don't have a, a bar for him. We don't have a baseline for him at all. That means for me, like his his worst case scenario is he doesn't survive to the fifty three man roster. He doesn't even make it out of training camp. His ceiling is. A guy who erupts on the scene. I went back and looked at shorter receivers uh, who had like quickness and agility like him. The best receivers, 5'9 or shorter. Uh, Calvin Austin III is 5'7, but he's listed at 5'9. Almost no NFL team lists a receiver under 5'9. If you're shorter than that, you're listed at 5'9. 5'9 is this receiver is shorter than 5'10. That's all that means on an NFL roster. So you look at the guys who were listed as 5'9. You've got guys like Mark Clayton and Gary Clark. Mark Clayton is the best uh, ever second year from a receiver 5'9 or shorter, obviously playing with Dan Marino. Interestingly, they were both drafted in 1983. Dan Marino was drafted and then Mark Clayton, uh, and he barely played as a rookie. So, you know, you have a little correlation there. We can see an explosion from uh, Calvin Austin III and Kenny Pickett. But as for his game, Calvin Austin III actually... I looked up Gary Clark, remembering Gary Clark from when I was young, and I was a I was a you know Washington fan. He, Calvin Austin's third reminds me a lot more of Gary Clark than other smaller receivers. Speed and agility, yards after catch kind of guy, um, and that's kind of the ceiling I see for a Calvin Austin the third. It's kind of Gary Clark from from the nineteen eighties. Uh, played for. Washington at the time, the Redskins. I could see that kind of an upside for him. I don't see Calvin Austin III as a big special teams returner player. I don't see that for him. Uh, we'll see. I mean, that could that could be a thing. You never know. His competition is literally any wide receiver they add. Anthony Miller already on there. If Calvin Austin III comes out and just starts really playing well and the, the offense fits him and Kenny and him get on the same page early, his competition is Deontay Johnson at that point. Like, there is, he's such an unknown. It's hard to set real boundaries for Calvin Austin III's season this coming year. That takes us to, Mar to DeMarvin Leal. DeMarvin Leal started out playing three tech and five tech for the Steelers. By the end of the season, he was playing more edge than he was five tech. More just flat out playing as an edge. He gave the Steelers a big edge defender with Watt out. And when Watt came back, Leal kept getting those snaps. He didn't generate a lot of pressure from pass rush. Uh, he was a better uh, edge setter on, on run games outside. Over time, he showed a better sense of his responsibilities and the defense and awareness. I think that's one of the reasons they trusted him on the edge is as an edge defender, you have a lot of responsibility. Three techs, 
you, you get a lot of plays where you're just allowed to go, you know, get into the pocket and create trouble, you know, create some havoc. Whereas on the edge, you have to be responsible for a lot more. I think his floor is to see more five tech and edge plus snaps. Uh, maybe add in some more three tech, but I think the five tech and the edge snaps are a big, big what you're going to get. Those are, you know, lined up over like near the tackle or outside the tackle. Those kind of snaps is where I look at uh, DeMarvin Leal in college. He was a 4i, which is just a slightly outside three tech. Um, and I think we could see come some of that comeback. He's a prime backup for the edge and defensive end if he can pull that off. That's a really good position to be in. Uh, he's going to be hard for him to win a lot of starts as a, at any spots because he's, he's kind of that tweener size. I'm very interested to see his usage, right? I have an idea kind of based on what they've done in the past, but he's a different player than they've had in the past, and they got him snaps. It's going to be very interesting. His competition are guys like Isaiah Loudermill, Jameer Jones. If they draft a defensive lineman or an edge rusher, that's competition for DeMarvin Leal. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see where he stands. I I don't know where to stand on DeMarvin Leal. I really liked his rookie season. Uh, but I'm not, I don't know how he fits in going forward, right? I don't know if that was just last season and they're going to ask him to be a more traditional defensive lineman, if they're going to want him to keep playing on the edge like that and be kind of the number three edge rusher and also a five-tech defensive end. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to use him, and I'm very interested to see that. So for him, it's I'm less confident in my projection and much more just interested to see what happens. Out of those guys, the guys I'm highest on really making a difference in this in their second season is Connor Hayward. I think he's a fabulous fit with Kenny Pickett. Uh, I think he is a very interesting weapon that is going to create opportunities for himself. And in a Matt Canada offense, Matt Canada's always had that kind of, you know, tweener player doesn't quite fit. Are they a tight end? Are they a fullback? Are they a running back? Are they a receiver? Like, he's always got people that cross those boundaries. Your Jalen Samuels types, your Derek Watt did some of that stuff. He's always had a fullback that, you know, got more catches and carries than you would expect, stuff like that. And I think Connor Hayward fits that kind of a role. And that makes him a very nice H-back in the Steelers' offense. And for me, out of the guys, you know, from, from the third round on from last year, Connor Hayward's the guy I look to to have the biggest impact in his second season. We're going to take our break now. When we get back, we're going to focus on the top two picks and two people that I think are monumentally important for the Steelers' 2023 season. George Pickens, Pickett, Pickens, sorry, George Pickens and Kenny Pickett. <laughs> Be right back after this break. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Welcome back, Steeler fans. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. You're listening to The Cutting Room Floor. The Cutting Room Floor is part of the Fans First Sports Network. We are the Steelers-specific branch of that, the Steel Curtain Network. If you have another team, I mentioned this at the start of the show, but if you have another team that you cheer for, college teams, anything you like, baseball, whatever, hockey, check out Fans First Sports Network. See if we got a podcast for you on your other teams, too. And if you're just here as a Steelers fan, make sure you're listening to the rest of the podcast on the Steel Curtain Network. We've got a whole lot of good shows for you every day. I think there's two still two podcasts a day. We keep pretty close to that. And uh, even during the entire offseason, we're going to be here with all kinds of content for you. So make sure you're checking those out every day. We talked about the picks from the third round on from 2022 and what kind of role I think they could have in 2023. But the two guys who had the biggest role in 2022 and who are going to have a monumental role to play in the Steelers offense in 2023 are George Pickens and Kenny Pickett. We're going to start with George Pickens. George Pickens started right off the bat getting time on the Steelers offense. He didn't really come into his own, didn't really start producing much until Kenny Pickett took over. Kenny Pickett has a better placed ball with better touch on deep passes. Uh, We're going to get into that when we get to him. But with that, George Pickens blossomed, right? That was a guy who could get him balls he could catch. Uh, Trubisky and George Pickens didn't do well together. If you look at George Pickens' target targets that he got, And you compare it to Steelers from the past. Very similar target profile to Martavis Bryant. More deep targets than anything else. Uh, By deep, I'm using PFF's definition, which is 20-plus yards downfield for a throw to be considered deep. Intermediate is like 10 to 20, and then short is 0 to 10. He had more targets deep than intermediate or short. Same as Martavis Bryant used to have, like 14, 2014, 2015. If you look at Martavis Bryant's first two seasons was with the Steelers, he was targeted 47 times on deep passes. He caught 15 of them, just under one-third. If you look at George Pickens in 2022, he was targeted 30 times and caught just over half of them, 16. 
As far as a deep threat, George Pickens is already more dangerous than Martavis Bryant for catching the ball, which is the biggest part of it, right? If you're throwing a ball 20-plus yards downfield, the big thing is completing it. Because if you catch it, it's, 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 that's a chunk of yards already. You're already moving at least 20 yards downfield, and it's almost assuredly a first down. I think every single catch he made that was on a deep pass went for a first down. So you're that's the big deal. Yards after catch, uh, Martavis Bryant got a lot more than George Pickens, but he was also dealing with Ben Roethlisberger in his prime, which is a completely unfair comparison to any quarterback in their rookie season, uh, especially. And, and Kenny Pickett is a quarterback that was in his rookie season. Uh, you can't compare anyone to Ben Roethlisberger in his prime when they're a rookie. That's not fair to literally any quarterback in the universe. He also had Antonio Brown. So, you know, like Martavis Bryant had a little more space to operate in, but still had a lower catch rate from a quarterback who was a very good deep ball quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger. George Pickens is a Z receiver, like Bryant. Um, And it's interesting to me that if you go back in history and you look at the Steelers' Z receivers with Ben Roethlisberger and Mike Tomlin, the the one thing that that I always say go back to is Mike Wallace when he was called a one-trick pony because his first season, uh, he lined up as the Z receiver a lot, which is a very downfield role for the Steelers as a wide receiver. And this, and then Mike Tomlin accused him of being a one-trick pony. All you can do is those deep routes. Well, the next season, one of the reasons they said that, the next season they moved Mike Wallace to the X, which is the more well-rounded receiver, where you run a lot of different routes and you do a lot of different things. We haven't heard that. We never heard that said about Martavis Bryant. And we aren't hearing that about George Pickens. I don't think the Steelers viewed Martavis Bryant, and they don't view George Pickens as a guy that you want to move to the X receiver where Antonio Brown, Deontay Johnson, those guys play. Where Emmanuel Sanders played once he left the Steelers. He was a he was playing the Z receiver because Antonio Brown had locked down the X receiver in Pittsburgh, moved to Denver, they moved him to the X, and he took off. George Pickens isn't that guy. One of the problems the Steelers have consistently have is they draft X receivers well, and they don't find Z receivers very often. Uh, for example, Chase Claypool, the Steelers thought they were getting a Z receiver. He wasn't. You can watch his college film. He ran a lot of different routes well. He was much better at the X. His production on the Steelers was best when he got to play the X receiver spot. It was worst when he was lined up as a Z receiver because that's mostly deep routes where he's not good. Claypool wasn't good. And the slot, he was better than he was at the Z. He just didn't fit the position they wanted him to play at all. Let alone, you know, what we think of his overall performance. You know, he didn't fit the position they drafted him to play. George Pickens fits it. George Pickens is a Z receiver. And I think we're going to continue to see him play that because of how they've talked about him and how he plays. His improvement over the season, we saw his route running improve tiny bit. Mostly the improvement we saw was Kenny Pickett take over at quarterback. 
And Kenny Pickett and George Pickens were phenomenal together. The problem with George Pickens is he's not a good route runner. He needs a lot of work on his routes. Uh, that shows up in, like, you look at the metrics. He's one of the best at catching contested catches in the NFL, but he had to catch so many of them because he was never really getting separation. His cry, I'm always open, is, okay, yeah, I get it. You know, you're throw to you even if you're covered because you'll make the play is kind of what he's going for there. And that stands out. We're going to talk about that more when we get to Kenny Pickett. There's going to be some stuff in there that stands out with him being a good target even when he's covered. But if he is going to get more involved in the offense and get more targets, he's going to have to run routes better and actually get open. The last thing I want to say about him from last season is his effort is spotty. There's there's times he gives great effort and there's times he will give up on a play and not follow finish the play. Sometimes before even really understanding where the quarterback is and where the play is in the progression, he is not a high football IQ player right now. He needs to put in the work. And while it's easy to say, yeah, well, you know, now he has a chance. I always like to give people a chance because in college you're very limited. In the NFL, no one's telling you you have to stop watching film. Nobody. Nobody's going to tell you you can't work out with the coaches in the NFL. Nobody's going to do that. You can always work more. Can't do that in college. So where do I see him as a floor in 2023? Look at who he was at the end of the season. You know, a guy who pulls in big catches, makes a few downfield catches a game, tough catches on back shoulder throws and intermediate passes for first downs, uh, makes good comeback catches, comeback route catches. It's valuable. That's a, you know, mid 2010s Z receiver and Todd Haley's offense kind of a role. And that's fine. That's fine. If, if he's a second round pick, if that's all he ever is. You know, those big catches still matter. That that catch rate downfield being over 50% is incredible. If him and Kenny Pickett keep that up, the rest of it doesn't matter too much. He will be a really valuable receiver. His high end for year two, to me, is Anquan Bolden, Odell Beckham Jr. type stuff. If he had some route running... And not a lot. He doesn't need to be Antonio Brown. He doesn't need to be Deontay Johnson. He uses his body well to block the the catch. He has incredible hands. He doesn't need to be a great route runner. We saw with Juju Smith-Schuster, he had more nuance and body control and hands than he had, you know, agility in his route running. He didn't do these crazy fakes and all this stuff. It was much more nuanced. It was much more where I am in position to the defender and how I protect the ball from the defender. That's also route running. If if George Pickens can do that a bit, he's going to be great. But what we really need to see is him executing routes consistently because that is a big deal. If you're running a slant route, you know you need to be at a certain spot at the same time, at the same spot, the same time, every time. They showed that once with Antonio Brown where he ran a a curl route. And he ran it 
with a blindfold on multiple times. He was within hundreds of a second of arriving at his point where the ball was supposed to come to him and within like four or five inches of his previous times running it. That's execution. The quarterback knows I get the ball at this to this point on the field at this time and my receiver is there and he's going to make the play. If it's you're a yard and a half away from where you should have been and a second late, your quarterback can't anticipate and lead the ball there. He can't do it. That's dumb. It's, it's, it would be a bad play. That's where George Pickens needs to improve. That is what's holding him back from what I think he could be a pro bowler, you know, a, a guy that can, you know, push a team into the play into playoff wins. Competition is no one. It's himself. It's it's his, you know, his own work he needs to put in. That's really it. There's no competition for him on this team. Nobody. Uh, what we want to see is ideally his targets balance out more with Deontay Johnson's. That would benefit both of them. I've, I've talked in the past about how Deontay Johnson is so much better when he's not getting massive volumes of targets. Uh, George Pickens developing some routes and becoming more of a go-to guy in more in more situations would do that for him. And now we need to talk about Kenny Pickett. I'm going to dive right into it. Kenny Pickett uh, showed in his rookie season he was a QB who could be aggressive or careful, but not really both. But also, he's not a guy who threw a lot of interceptions. He got credited with a lot of interceptions, uh, but didn't throw a lot. One of the incredible stats for me is how many of his interceptions hit receivers' hands, right? And then became interceptions. Was a not small number at all. He had a few bad throws, but most of them hit his receivers' hands and then were intercepted. That's I can't blame that on a quarterback. Like that hit your receiver's hands, you're not in charge of what happens after it hits your receiver's hands. Your job is to get it to your receiver's hands, not what, not where it bounces off of the receiver's hands. There's no quarterback in the world can control that. He showed good vision and accuracy, especially on deep balls. PFF uh, stats on balls thrown 20 plus yards, their deep ball. He was 15th out of 40 quarterbacks on deep ball accuracy which is completion plus drops percentage of balls that hit your receiver's hands right he was 15th out of 40 quarterbacks he also had two of the worst deep ball receivers in the nfl in deontay johnson and chase claypool combined those two last season on the Steelers had six receptions and five interceptions on deep passes with a 19.4% catch rate. Claypool was at 33%. DJ was significantly lower, around 15%. That was terrible. That's terrible. Deontay Johnson had one more reception than he did interceptions on deep passes to him. Chase Claypool went to Chicago when he was even worse. Worse, His catch rate dropped to 18% from around 33%. And he had two catches and three interceptions instead of two catches and two interceptions in Pittsburgh. It wasn't Kenny. 
He was even worse when he went to Chicago. If you look at overall passes, Kenny Pickett, for PFF, rated him 8th fewest turnover-worthy plays. That's tied with Tom Brady. That's ahead of guys like Aaron Rodgers. A lower turnover-worthy throw rate uh, percentage-wise than Joe Burrow in his rookie season. Right, Kenny Pickett is not... It's When I watch the film, I'm using PFF stats here because I can't show you film. On film, I would argue it is more about Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool, the interceptions. It's more a Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool problem than it was Kenny Pickett. And the stats, the advanced stats, say the same thing. For what Kenny Pickett we should expect from him, he at the floor is a game manager. Let's say Deontay Johnson and him don't improve. They don't get better together because they were terrible last season. The two of those together were terrible. Let's say Pickett doesn't grow. Pickens doesn't grow as a player. His usage doesn't expand. You'll see the same Kenny you saw at the end of last season, a game manager. For his ceiling, if he and Deontay Johnson get on the same page and can be producing at least, you know, like late career Ben Deontay Johnson, that's a big deal. That's a lot better. Even that is a lot better than what they saw last year. If he can be as good with Deontay Johnson as Mason Rudolph was, then Deontay Johnson is back to being a Pro Bowl level receiver. If you see that, you see Pickens get an expanded role that helps balance his targets with with Deontay Johnson. That's going to help Deontay Johnson. You see somebody, Connor Hayward, a new receiver, uh, Calvin Austin III, somebody, come up and build up a rapport as a down-the-line target, you know, number four target behind Pickens, John, uh, Deontay Johnson, and Pat Fryermuth. You could see him start heading towards, not getting there, but heading towards the category right underneath Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, you know, a, even a Herbert. He could be in that kind of discussion. The big thing is he's got to develop that kind of what we call Wi-Fi with his receivers where they just are on the same page. A lot of that has to do with consistent route running and experience. Knowing how this player runs routes. Knowing what they're going to... Knowing how that route is going to change if they're jammed. And being able to still get the ball to the spot on time to that receiver even as their route has to change. For... Deontay Johnson, they just need experience together. They need to get on the same page. Those two did not know how to play together. For George Pickens, George Pickens needs to get a consistent route running down so that they can show that. Kenny Pickett and him had that Wi-Fi, but it didn't matter because George, there's a lot of routes you just couldn't throw to George Pickens because you didn't know where he was going to be at what time. You can't lead a guy when you don't know where he's going. The biggest, biggest, biggest improvement, I think, will come in the red zone if these things happen. Because in the red zone, it's much more cluttered. That Wi-Fi is much more important, knowing where your receiver is going to be and being able to hit those smaller windows. That is where the Steelers really struggled last year, and that is the place where you could see the most improvement. 
especially with Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson, with his ability to shake coverage and create small gaps in separation, should be a very good weapon in the red zone. But him and Kenny Pickett need to get on the same page so Kenny can hit him on those plays. Whether or not they can, I mean, it's easy to sit here and say this is what they need to do and they should be able to do it. Are they going to do it? I honestly think with the with the upgrades they've made on the offensive line, we're going to see this offense uh, step up even more than they did the end of last season. I think people will still look at total scores, and I expect the Steelers to can try and control the clock, drive down the number of possessions, uh, and keep the scores lower. And so I think you'll see a much more efficient offense than a high-scoring one. You'll see one that could rank in the top 10 in points per drive. I wouldn't be surprised if this team ranked in top 10 in the NFL in points per drive and yet was, you know, middle of the pack in total scoring. And everyone will sit there and say, yeah, they're winning because it's low scoring games. Well, it's a low scoring game because the offense is dominating the clock and making it a low scoring game. You can control that. You can control the number of chances the other team has to score on offense, not just on defense. All right, that's our show for today. Uh, we are moving towards the draft. Next two weeks, we're going to cover you know, where the needs are, where the holes are, and what type of players to look at at different positions. Uh, so look forward to that. we got two weeks. And when you listen to the show, this show, two weeks from now, it will be the day before the NFL draft. It's going to be great. Or the week of, at least, the NFL draft. All right. Thank you for listening. Make sure you're checking out the other podcasts on the Steel Curtain Network. Make sure you're clicking over to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, reading our articles there covering the Steelers, all your Steelers stuff on podcasts in article form. You'll get it right here, Steel Curtain Network, and at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, have a great week, and let's go Steelers. Steelers.